my name is Mikal Nasrani, and this is Islam for Christians. Episode 6, Commentary on the Messiah. This is the commentary for the Messiah, um, 2007. Meaning the movie came out in 2007, and that's how you'll actually be able to identify it, because it's, it's a pretty obscure title. This should not be confused with the short-lived Netflix series. The Messiah is a movie out of Iran that tells the story of Jesus from an Islamic perspective. Just type The Messiah 2007 full movie into YouTube or something similar, and it should be easy to find. Look for a movie that's about an hour and 23 minutes. It's obviously not in English, but there are subtitles. As with previous commentaries, I'll let you know where I am in 10 minute, 10 minute intervals. Jesus is an important figure in Islam, particularly in its eschatology. Uh, for those who don't know that term, eschatology just means what comes at the end. In religious terms, that usually refers to the end of humanity or the world, but also what happens to you after you die. The concern over who goes to heaven and who does not, for example, is an argument over eschatology. Keep in mind the Islamic Jesus will be unrecognizable to Christians. I once had someone tell me that if I converted to Baha'ism, which is a post-Islamic religion that includes Muhammad among its prophets, I could still keep Jesus. Well, no. Um, the Muslim slash Baha'i Jesus isn't really Jesus if he isn't divine. Born of a virgin, yes, and certainly special, but not divine, not the Logos, not Emmanuel. It's not the same, as any Christian can tell you. Anyway, this is a unique film by any means. And what makes it particularly interesting is that the filmmakers are Iranian, and thus almost surely Shia Muslims. The Shias are far more focused on eschatology than the Sunnis tend to be, and they share more aspects of Christian sensibilities as well. For example, the redemptive value of suffering. Just something to keep in mind when watching this film. The Shias are also more tolerant of imagery and religious figures, imagery in their religious figures and heroes. So it eases the way to portray, portray Jesus, an Islamic prophet, on film. This would be a little harder among a Sunni audience. One other thing, look up the Gospel of Barnabas before you see this film. Some of this is based on Quran and Hadith, but some stories come directly from the Gospel of Barnabas, which meshes well with the Islamic Jesus. The Gospel of Barnabas um, is an apocryphal gospel that really isn't actually an apocryphal gospel. Scholars say the oldest it can possibly be is from the 14th century, written originally in either Italian or Spanish, but it is popular among Muslims. It predicts Muhammad, rebuts Trinitarian Christianity, and, like the Quran, states that Jesus was never crucified. But remember, this gospel arrived almost 800 years after Muhammad and 1,400 years after Jesus. My guess is that it was a gospel written to justify the Islamic version of Jesus. And while it's historically bunk, it's valuable for insight into the Muslim view of Jesus. The Gospel of Barnabas is almost an imaginative appendix to the Quran and Hadith on the subject of Jesus. And both were likely a source to whoever wrote the Gospel of Barnabas. So here we go. The Messiah, 2007. Press play now. That Arabic script says Bismillah al-Rahman al-Rahim, which is the phrase that starts nearly every surah in the Quran.
John is John the Baptist, also a revered Islamic figure, particularly among uh, some more obscure Shia sects.
10 minutes. You hear these women saying Isa, that is the uh, Arabic pronunciation for Jesus. You know, is it just me or do Jesus and the disciples and pretty much all the Jews have altered noses? It's really weird. I don't know if this is an Iranian attempt at anti-Semitism, a, a fulfillment of Iranian stereotypes of Jews and maybe Arabs too, or just a weird coincidence. Maybe it's an element of Iranian culture I don't understand. It is distracting, for sure. If deliberate, they made no such efforts to make the Romans look Italian. And you know this had to be approved by the regime at some level. Um, while not explicitly anti-Semitic, at least officially, the, the highest levels of the government are comprised of Holocaust deniers. You know, just something to keep in mind. I mean, seriously, if you look at the noses on some of these actors as the film goes on, um, if these noses are actually natural, they scour the entire country of Iran for large-nosed actors. It's weird, weird, weird. 
Some of these guys look like they came off Nazi propaganda posters. Of course, the Pharisees' problem wasn't that they were ignoring the law. It was actually kind of the opposite. It was that they were following it too rigidly and without its proper spirit. So they weren't exactly ignoring it as so much as, according to Jesus, misinterpreting it. Um, so far, I actually haven't seen Jesus say anything in this movie the Pharisees would have disagreed with.
20 minutes. Judas won't eat the bread. Um, <laughs> you'll notice that the Islamic Judas is a less complex villain than the Christian one. Uh, part of this is that in Islam, Judas really has no value to God's work. In Christianity, while he's definitely a traitor, he actually facilitated what turned out to be the most positive event in the history of the world. Again, there's that word Isa, just a few uh, common Islamic names here. Isa is Jesus, Musa is Moses, if you hear that in the future, and Ibrahim is Abraham.
In Islam, uh, it is technically true that Jesus is the Son of God from an Islamic perspective. Uh, even if he's not considered divine, God is his father still, not Joseph. You may have noticed earlier he was referred to as the adopted son of Joseph. I'm not sure their source on all of this, but I'm pretty sure this didn't ever happen. You may have noticed the uh, subtitle saying they used guns. Um, obviously, guns did not exist. That is just super, super poor subtitling.
30 minutes. Yeah, a Pharisee bowing to a man. I, I just can't see that actually happening. Um, notice I'm pretty easy on the Pharisees generally, uh, much more so than most Christians. I, I think they were wrong, but I completely understand why they were wrong and why the, they thought the way they did. And I'm actually kind of sympathetic to that. This uh, Pharisee is just almost a cartoon character. So in case you didn't figure that out, that was Jesus foretelling Muhammad. Um, in Islam, the paraclete in the Gospel of John is not the Holy Spirit. It's Muhammad. Um, here's a thought exercise. That seems ridiculous on its face, uh, clearly cherry-picked after the fact. But is it any more ridiculous than inferring Jesus as the Messiah from the Old Testament prophets? Is it anywhere similar to, say, what Isaiah 
and Christian beliefs said about Jesus. And now, um, <laughs> something that is just historically ridiculous. It's very hard to imagine the Roman Senate talking about Jesus. Judea was a backwater, and, and I don't think Jesus comes up in any Roman records of the time. The evidence is overwhelming that the Senate would have had no idea who Jesus was.
40 minutes.
The mirror in this story is an interesting twist that's actually straight from the Gospel of Barnabas. Again, I believe this is the Gospel of Barnabas.
50 minutes.
the story of Abraham nearly sacrificing Isaac is a giant one in Islam. There's actually an entire holiday, Eid al-Adha, dedicated to it. The Islamic Jesus, in a way, can be partially seen as a retelling of this story, as you might notice later. The theme is God would not ultimately sacrifice his son, saving him at the last minute, as he did with Isaac. And there's the Jews as Isaac and Arabs as Ishmael again. They're again kind of saying the next prophet will be an Arab as a son of Ishmael. This is Jesus playing John the Baptist to Muhammad. Again, this uh, is not exactly Islamically sourced, as in it's not in the Quran or the Hadith, this whole scene. Um, my guess, again, is the St. Gospel of Barnabas. I have actually not read the entire Gospel of St. Barnabas. I just know a few scenes and the gist of it. But if you ever want to read it, it's, it's pretty easy to follow on, to find online.
there's the comforter, meaning Muhammad. That's actually directly from the Gospel of John, according to Islam. One hour.
This is the beginning of uh, the split ending. Uh, you're basically going to see two endings here. I think the filmmaker was truly attempting a film for both Christians and Muslims. Um, his first ending will be pretty familiar to anyone watching it. Some of this seems choppy. Um, I kind of learned afterward that this is actually just a mix of uh, what was once a TV series. So this movie is basically a condensed version of something that was probably at least four or five times as long, um, if not more. See, there they actually named the Gospel of Barnabas. So that was um, 
at least their view of what was the Christian ending. And now we get the Islamic ending from a combination of the Quran and the Gospel of Barnabas. Yeah, I believe that's uh, directly from the Quran. One hour ten. There's very scarce information in the Quran about these events. Um, pretty much most of this is going to be Gospel of Barnabas, but the Gospel of Barnabas, by its very nature, um, is only going to complement what's in the Quran. It would never contradict it. So kind of think of Barnabas as the spirit of the Quranic or the Islamic Jesus. When they actually quote the Quran, it's it's actually pretty obvious from the language. Now Judas finds himself in a 1980s body-switching movie.
notice the different way he acted. Just uh, Judas is kind of a buffoon pretty much throughout this. And uh, the actor that played Jesus was actually doing pretty good to imitate the sort of doofus nature of Judas portrayed in this. Um, quick explanation here. Uh, a jinn is an earthly being in the Islamic tradition, uh, similar to humans, but made of light instead of clay. Uh, the word genie derives from the Arabic word jinn. Uh, jinn are similar to angels as well, but have free will like humans, and obviously they are invisible. Just keep in mind, almost all of this Islamic ending, I would say at least 90% of it is just filling in blanks that exist because the Quran is pretty cryptic and vague about what actually happened to Jesus. But the key point is they did not crucify Jesus. They only thought that they did. Everything else stems from that.
This is actually from the Quran, this part. The words, at least. Oh, that is from the gospel. One hour twenty. And that's the end. Roll credits. Uh, nothing actually happens after this, so you can go ahead and turn it off unless you want to read uh, the cast and credits in Persian. All right. So I must admit, the Islamic ending to Jesus's ministry is temptingly triumphant. It's a better story on the surface because he clearly wins. The Islamic Jesus is, to be honest, consistent with all the Old Testament narratives and the fate of almost all of God's messengers. Like when the Old Testament messengers ran into a tragedy, it was often their own fault. They did it. Samson cut his hair. Moses hit the rock. Israel messed up bad enough that the entire country was lost. But Jesus was sinless, even in Islam. Does it make any sense that Jesus would be crucified by a bunch of pagans? That can't stand. It's a terrible injustice if God is behind it. And so the Muslims have a point. But it takes a certain mindset, or really a certain heart set, to understand the triumph of Jesus' death and resurrection, and how that blows away any earthly surface triumph. Just a Christian's perspective here. I'm a Christian because it's the best damn story in the history of the world, period. And I'm okay with that reasoning, because deep meaning is relayed through story. It's how we're built. It's human. The ending in Christianity, Easter, is a major reason why it's such a jaw-dropping, heart-changing story. There's nothing else like it. Never has been. It's such a great paradox. Conquering by passivity much like water in Taoism, and merging God and humanity in the most intimate of ways. God loving his creation so much, he wanted to become a part of it, removing the holy veil and infusing the sacred into the everyday human. God in us through God in Jesus. God going native to the point he embraces pain and suffering. 
Just a quick aside, my Arabic teacher was an Aramaic speaker, a Syriac Orthodox Christian, and he related an important cultural element to me that is still unknown to most Christians. The metaphor of the Lamb of God is even better than you think it is. In Jesus' time and place, it was common practice that when a baby's lamb, baby lamb's mother died, they could trick a new mother into accepting the baby as her own. They would draw blood from the new mother, cover the baby in that blood, and present it to the new mother covered in the mother's own blood. That calf is now hers. This would have been understood at the time in the story of Jesus. This is the metaphor. The baby lamb is us through Jesus, covered in the blood of God through Jesus, and presented to God as his own. This is why the blood of Jesus makes us just as much children of God as Jesus is. The blood of Jesus is what justifies us in the eyes of God. Just think about that the next time you hear Lamb of God in church. Anyway, none of this is the Islamic Jesus. The Christian Jesus was considered scandalous and crazy at the time, and it's still scandalous and crazy. That includes Muslims. Judas being crucified in his place is old school justice and turns Judas into a far more conventional villain than the one in Christianity. The Judas who betrayed Jesus ended up hanging himself, but in the end was actually doing God's work. This Islamic paradigm is also understandable because Muslims don't have the history and archetype of early leaders, like Peter and Paul and the countless martyrs who died, not in battle, but preaching the gospel. Many took up Jesus' cross, even in a very literal sense, and it hasn't stopped for 2,000 years. So a Christian understanding of what it means to be a messenger God of God is wildly different. The Christian apostles were homeless men who were poor and passive as a matter of principle. The Muslim apostles were caliphs and great warriors. Again, a very different archetype. This asymmetry is a key difference in the two faiths and arguably more important than the Trinity versus the absolute monotheism of Islam. And it's a pattern you'll see repeated again and again. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.